in Jonah. I hope this has been a helpful series for you. Of course, I talked about when I began studying this, I kind of looked down my nose at Jonah a little bit. I kind of thought he was a doofus because, you know, he got swallowed by a fish and that doesn't happen normally to people that, you know, have their life together. And, uh, but as I was researching and studying this, boy, I found myself uh, a lot in Jonah. I, I, I identified with him way, way too much. And it's been really helpful for me to go through this book and not only see, you know, that, that mirror of the scripture that kind of shows your heart sometimes when it's ugly, but then also the way out of it and uh, how God's called us to something bigger. And today, as we finish up, we're going to be talking about that last chapter, which is really just a paragraph. And it's the most bizarre paragraph, one of them in all of Scripture. And I always thought, why on earth would Jonah add this last little bit? Because he was doing so good, right? You ended a three with all this, you know, the, a huge revival, right? You see a city turn and all those wonderful things. Why talk about a plant and a bad attitude? And then we find out today that this is kind of the point of all of it. There's something bigger for us uh, that God has for us, more than just obedience, and uh, the greatest things are, are, are what we find in that we'll be talking about today. Before we get into that, though, of course, we have our memory verse, which I hope that you have been setting to your heart and mind throughout this series. Uh, if not, you still have today. This is a great passage and uh, one that really gives us some direction and uh, can reset our compass of our life um, And when we start to go astray. It's uh, Proverbs 3, 5. And just in case you haven't had it yet, or if you want to just show off, we're going to be saying a few times now. So here you go. Say along with me. 3, 2, 1. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5. Very good. And one last time, just to lock it in. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5. Wonderful. If you have still taken some time to meditate and to memorize that, of course, on your connection card, uh, you can. Uh, there's that memory verse card right there. It's perforated, and I encourage you to take that with you today. For all the rest of us, let's take our Bibles out, and let's turn to Jonah chapter 4. Uh, that's where we're going to be today, and uh, just kind of... Finishing off this book. Now, uh, we've gone through the first three chapters so far, and we see that, you know, Jonah started, God gave him a simple command. He said, I want you to go uh, east by land. I want you to go to Nineveh, your mortal enemies, and I want you to have a message to them. I want you to prophesy to them that they're going to be destroyed. And uh, Jonah's like, no, I'd prefer not to go there. I'm going to go the direct opposite direction west by sea as far away as i can go and so god sent a storm and a fish and and he spent three days in the belly of a big fish and kind of reassessed his life asked god for a second chance i uh, was able to uh, lord had him deposited there on the beach there and uh, he got to then walk to nineveh he preached the city over three days and we saw one of the most wicked cities in the world turns to god even the king repents and this is where we pick up the story today. And we have a guy, Jonah, who's known grace, right? Who's seen God's power. And, uh, and yet, he's still missing out, I think, on the very best things, right? In uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, but, Jonah, uh, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What seemed really wrong? The whole city turning back to God, uh, receiving this, this incredible grace of God. 
and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, the Lord? Uh, is what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarsus. I knew that if you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I love Jonah because he's like me. He's a little dramatic. Right? But you have this passage, now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. He would rather burn with Nineveh than to see Nineveh saved with him. That's what hatred does. Then over this past year, we had a, a fairly contentious 2020. I don't know if you missed it, but it was, it was kind of rough. And I found myself in the midst of this last year finding myself becoming polarized and angry at people who were doing things that, that I didn't agree with or saying things that I didn't like, right? To the point that you find where hatred starts small, right? It gets, it gets in there. And you think, because maybe if you've been walking with the Lord for a while like I have, you think maybe you're immune to it. You're not. Hatred is, is an easy thing to be able to begin to embrace, and we surround ourselves with people to say, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. And we, we fail to listen to God. And eventually what happens is we can hate somebody so much that we would rather burn with them than to see them live. And that's ugly. And this is where we have with Jonah, right? Now here's a guy who received God's grace himself. He knows how good God is. In fact, that's his problem. He says, God, I know how good you are. That's why I didn't want to go. I mean, this is some pretty big words from fish bait, right? Think about that. He was in the belly of a whale praying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But then when he sees God actually go and do something great, he's mad about it. And I, I, I look at God's reply to him in that next verse. And it says, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And over this last year, I sense that God has been telling, asking us, a lot of us, that same question. The things that we are mad about, is it really right for us to be angry? Right? Is it okay for us to hate other people when the enemy is not against the people to begin with? Uh, our culture, I don't know if you've noticed this, it's a little bit broken. There is, some, uh, uh, there is some wandering away from God in our current world a little bit. There's some rejection of Jesus. In fact, if you're in Christ, there are some who ridicule you because of your faith. And it's easy then to then take sides and to say, well, fine, God smite them, right? And to get angry at those people. But Jesus wasn't surprised by those things. In fact, if I remember right, this week, this Holy Week, we celebrate that there was a whole crowd of people who started out, who were waving Hosanna, you know, praise the Lord, he's awesome, our king has come. And when Jesus didn't do what he thought they thought he should do, by the end of the week, they crucified him. And they were all the same people in that same crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. I think that even when the crowd turned against him, Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't get it. When we understand the love and the heart of God, I think Jonah had that. He was a prophet. We have to make sure that we don't just obey God, but that we begin to understand his heart. And 
And that's really what God wants us to have. So we do not live like the rest of the world in our little tribes that hate other humans and want to kill and murder and destroy and see our enemies wiped out. Instead, he calls us to a better place. Now Jonah was faithful and he, was, he honored God by how he lived, but he still missed out on the joy of seeing God's salvation. And how often then do we also miss out on the joy of what God is doing in our lives? And that's why God, I think, he gave Jonah an object lesson. And how he did it is he, is he used a plant. Now it says in verse 5, Now Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. In the beginning thing, Jonah goes to the city and says, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. And he's hoping that God is going to change his mind. That's why he built a shelter. He's going to stick it out. He was only in the city for three days preaching. He gave them just the, the amount of time that he was in the fish. He's like, God, I'll give you this. I'll go through the city, and I'll see it. And now he's sitting outside saying, well, maybe God will change his mind. I want to see the city burn. And he sits there and he watches and he waits. And that's what he's doing. And then it says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. It's the little things that God does for us, right? These little blessings that God brings to us that makes us so happy. And God provides for Jonah, even though Jonah is sitting there waiting on God to do exactly what God has sent him so God wouldn't have to do. He's rooting for the wrong thing right now. God provides Jonah a grace. But then it says, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided scorching east wind and the sun blazed down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die, and he said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. <laughs> Again, I love Jonah, he's so dramatic, just like me. But God begins, he says, he's going to provide something good, he's also going to be able to take it away, right? And, and he, he doesn't, right? And, and the Lord replied in this again, is it right for you to be angry, right? That's what he says, Jonah says, it's, I, I was so angry, I wish I were dead. He comes back to it again. You know, Jonah probably had legit reasons to hate Nineveh, right? They were wicked, awful people. And I want you to know that there are people in our culture and people in this very community that you might have legit reasons to really hate. Maybe even in your family. Who knows? That there are people who wound you and hurt you and do bad things. But God calls us to become better than that. Not just to see somebody saved, not just to see them have their heart turn around. There's a joy that God has has welcomed you into. And like Jonah so often, we receive the blessings that God gives, right? He provides a little bit of shade. Sometimes he takes it away and things like this. And we focus more on the shade than we do on the person, on the work of God. We become more wrapped up on what's the little pleasures in my life than the eternal stake of what's happening in other people's lives. I mean, for eternity. We, we care more about our comfort today than another person's eternity. And I wish I could say that other people do that, but I found myself this way. Right? That's a broken place to be. I, I find in Jonah that, you know, God never provided me a leafy plant that just grew up over my head and provided comfort. But he's provided a lot of little blessings for me. 
And then in 2020, there was like this little worm that overnight chewed away, <laughs> and I kind of felt like I was sitting on a hill and the sun was coming down. Are you feel weary after that last year? Just a little bit? Like the masks themselves make me want to pass out and vomit. I, I hate them. I hate not seeing people's faces, right? All these little things. And I was more concerned about the discomforts that I was facing. And my, I got my focus on the wrong things. I'm not so different than Jonah. And God says, is it right for you to be angry? And, and I love how Jonah says, yeah, I'm so mad I wish I could die. Right? I think sometimes we do that. Now, God then has a little message for him. And he says, you know, Jonah, uh, you can be angry about these things. But you know what? You're wrong, I'm angry about the wrong things. Look what he says there. What the Lord said in verse 10, you have been concerned about this plant, though it did not, you didn't, uh, though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern uh, for the city of, of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And so, and also many animals. I love how God also says, I care about the animals too. Our priorities, when they get out of whack, when our focus is on the wrong things, and we let hatred seep into our heart, we may do all the right things for God, and God will still do his good work, but we can be like Jonah, sitting on the outside, angry that God is doing good things. And we can become angry about the little frustrations in our life, like this low-level rage that I, I had for about two months. That's why I got off of media, by the way. I stopped watching the news. I stopped getting on social media, right? All of those things. Because I don't want to live with that. Do you know that I had to learn the same lesson that I think God was teaching Jonah in this? In fact, there are three things that I found in this passage, which I really think is why God had this which is not really an addendum. This is kind of the focus of it. Something God wants to teach us about him that frees us from that small kind of living. And, and the first thing that I learned from this and that God teaches us is that, that God is creator. And now I knew that. That's one of the reasons I became a Christian, right? It was the whole, you know, going back to the, how did we get here, right? And, and studying the science and all that kind of stuff and going back to it, there's not a good explanation other than we have a God. And I know that. But I think I had to remember that God didn't just create me. He didn't just create, in general, the world, and he didn't just create me. Do you know who he also created? Other people. All of those annoying people in front of you at Safeway, God created them. And he has a place for them, right? All of the people who drive slowly in front of you as you go down the street, you know what? God created them. And he loves them, and this was a shocker to me, as much as he loves me. And my God loves me a lot, and I have evidence of that. The very fact that I can still stand here and I'm not like torched with lightning. God loves me a lot. He puts up with me. He cares for me. He gives me grace and mercy, just like Jonah. He's pulled me out of the belly of the fish many times. He's never abandoned me. And I'm so quick to receive that goodness, just like Jonah was quick to receive that leafy plant. But there are times that I don't want him to give grace to other people. And that's wrong in here. And that's where I'm, in a, I'm not in step with where God is. That's where I miss out on the goodness and, and the great things of, of, of what God has for me. 
the, the fullness of the joy of my salvation, the full power that I have in Christ to be able to do his mighty works, loving my enemies, right? Being able to proclaim grace to those who need it. I love how God says, you know, I care about this city. The people don't even know their right hand from their left, right? They were senseless. Do you feel like you're in a senseless society? God cares for the senseless. I'm so grateful for that. That our God is creator. He owns everything. In fact, Psalm 24, we did a memory verse a while back. I hope you can remember this. But the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. That's not just me and it's not just you and it's not just those that are in this room or joining us online. God is the creator and he designed us. He makes each one and he cares deeply for his creation uniquely for people but he also cares for the animals too which is amazing to me our god has an amazing heart we can't fully celebrate this holy week i think without first coming to terms with god came to save his own creation he designed us he can do anything he wants with us and we rebelled and he didn't destroy us instead he sent his self to take on the sin and all of the shame and all of the brokenness and all of the retribution that we deserve, he took it on himself because he wanted to save that which he created. We belong to God. And when we get this, it changes how we treat people. Because somebody else is not somebody for me to treat poorly. I don't own them. My God owns them. And who am I to despise those whom my Lord loves? Who am I to despise those whom my God has created? If he's given them breath, he's given them a right to exist, he's given them a, an opportunity to live in this world with me. They belong to God, not me. This really humbled me because, do you know who this means, that God owns everybody? He owns the politicians. And God owns all of the people that are, that are in, in positions of authority and power and all of the media outlets throughout the world and all of the, the social media giants and all of the tech and all of the business. God owns everybody. And his love has not run out yet. If God can love Nineveh, he's, we're not outside of God's love. And I had to change my attitude towards the people whom I live around. The second thing I found is in this is that God is sovereign. You see how God was able to just grow a plant up and just destroy it because he's God and he can do that? You know what God can also do? He can raise a city up and destroy it if he wants to because he's God and he'd be completely right and do that. He can raise my life up and destroy it if he wants to. He is sovereign. He has the right to do this. He is creator and as God, he can do as he pleases. It's not up to me to tell God what he can or should do. And I spent a lot of time that last year telling God what he ought to do and frustrated because he wouldn't listen to me. And instead, if I learned from Jonah that when I do this, when I tell God what I think he should do and I want to follow myself, I only wind up bitter and angry. But the reality is that my God because he's sovereign, has the right to tell me what to do. And really, I have an obligation to follow him. Now, Jonah learned that, right? He, he, he went and he preached to his enemies. Jonah had a you know, time of introspection in the belly, which would do that for you. 
And he learned that obedience means that you give up control. That's what obedience means. And that's a vulnerable place to be, isn't it? When you follow somebody else's will, not your own. Right? There's this passage in Scripture that says they all did right in their own eyes. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And that'll tell you a lot about yourself of how you read that. Right? A lot of people in our current culture say, well, that's great. Everyone should do what's right in their own eyes. Right? They're in control. Right? As long as they're true to themselves, they're doing what's right in their own eyes, the world will be great. Do you know what that passage precedes? Sodom and Gomorrah. A, a, a fire coming down and wiping them out because they were so wicked. Now, we're in control. We mess things up, right? We do awful, horrible things to each other. The people in Nineveh were doing what they thought was right. They were doing with living for themselves, their own pleasures, and all of these things. They were treating this world as though they were sovereign over it. And in so doing, they were violent. They were wicked. They were hurting the people around them. And they had offended a holy God who had the right to destroy them. But we're not any different. When I came to this, I realized that God told me to love my enemies. And that began with me praying for those whom I didn't like. And I stopped praying that God would just simply destroy them. Because that's a simple prayer. Right? Like, Lord, the world would be better without them. Right? So just take them away. But then, maybe the world will be better without me. And you're like, I'm still here. I had to change. Like, God, I want you to do what you're going to do through them. I, I want your plans and your purposes to happen. I, I want your grace to be known to them. I don't want anybody to, to perish because of ignorance. Right? God, I'm going to pray that you guide them closer to you. I'm going to pray that you bless them with true wisdom so they can know their right hand from their left. When I began to pray blessing over those whom are God's enemies and were mine, it was interesting. At first, it just felt so wrong, like I put on a pair of shoes that were just, you know, backwards. That's what it felt like, right? It, it, it felt almost untrue to myself because I'm like, Lord, bless these awful people that I want to smite, right? That's where it was. But over time, God began to work a change in my heart to stop seeing the world through my very limited and ignorant lenses. I began to see the world in a different way as God is the sovereign over all things, which means he's still on his throne today. Our God is still at work today. I've read the end of the book. This doesn't derail it, right? He knows the end. And as far as it goes, you know, it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's kind of not. Like, Jesus is coming back. He's going to claim all of these things. He's making everything work together for, for good and for his glory. But, you know, when we come to this point of saying, God, I, I'm not in control, and obedience means I'm going to follow you, that's where we get mad, because our preference gets, your preferences, if you follow Jesus, are going to be violated, <laughs> A lot. God's not going to do what he wants you. He's not going to do what you want him to do. And that's what Jonah's problem was. In verse 9, he says, but God said to Jonah, is it right to be angry about the plant? And then Jonah says, it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. And I think sometimes we do that. We see things happen in our life, in our world. We've been praying for somebody or a relationship or a financial problem or something like this. And things go south, even though we've prayed. And we say, God, I'm so mad about this. Right? 
And God's like, is it right for you to be mad? Are you there because you were faithless? Are you there because you were disobedient? Well, then you're like in the fish. But sometimes we're there because we've been faithful. And God still does something that crosses our preference. Kind of reminds me of Jesus in the garden. As he was there and he was praying, blood, drops of blood were coming out of sweating. He was so upset about what was going to happen. And he knew how bad it was. He said, Heavenly Father, if there is another way, I would like that. But if not, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus didn't go to anger. He went to the Father. And he said, I'm going to lay my preference down. And I'm going to get on board with what you're doing. And the reason he could do that is, is the third thing that I find in this is it's so good. Is that God isn't just the creator. He's not just sovereign. We don't worship Allah. That our God is something different than that. See, our God are, is creator. He is sovereign over all things. But also, God is good. Profoundly, deeply good. God is so good that there's not like a standard of goodness that we judge God by. Things are good because of who he is. He is the standard of goodness. And we see in, in Jonah chapter or verse 2, he says, Jonah knew this. He says, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. This is who God is. Our God is not a God who does things that are going to be wicked or bad that causes greater destruction, greater uh, pain. This is not who our God is. This is why when he tells us to obey him, just because of position as creator, just because of his, his authority as, as the sovereign, we would have the, right, uh, the obligation to obey him. But because he's good, it's a joy to obey God. He actually knows what's the best thing. You know, I think the problem in the world is not with God. And we've seen a lot of people talk about, well, if, if God is so good, how come there's pain? If God is so good, how come this bad thing happens or that bad thing happens? Well, God is really good. He created a, a, a paradise for us. And we hijacked it. God is not the one who, who went into my heart and made me want to hate people. See, God didn't do that. I, I did that on my own, right? Well, I had some help with some other ill-intentioned people, right? That happened in me. See, God's not the one who's prompting me to do things that hurt my family or my community or my job or anything else. God doesn't do that. We do that. Our sin nature. We do what's right in our own eyes. We justify all the bad things that we want to do to one another, and then we do those things, and then we go about and talk about how we were in the right and, and excuse our ill behavior. This is what we do as we slice each other up. The problem isn't with God. The problem is us. And we have to come to a point saying, what I think is right in this situation may not be right. Maybe I'm the one that doesn't know my right hand from my left. Maybe I'm the one that doesn't see the world as it truly is. Maybe I'm the one that doesn't have all the answers. And I'm glad God doesn't expect me to. God says he has the answers and to trust him. And when you do that, not everything's going to go your way. That's okay. Right? Romans 8.28 actually says, We know that all things God works for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. You see, in this world, in this past year, I know a lot of us feel beat up, right? This has not been a simple, easy time. And if we see where culture is going and all of those things, there are things about it that you're just like, Lord, what are you doing? But get this, the Lord is doing. He's working all things together, even this. 
He doesn't call us to have all the answers and to, to take over the world on our own or to do anything else. He says, be faithful and trust me. Trust what he's doing is good. Jonah didn't trust that it was good to save Nineveh. And because of that, he was angry at God because God did something he didn't like. But I do the same thing all the time. When I see my enemies prosper or something good happen to somebody that I, you know, that I don't like, I'm like, Lord, what are you doing there? Or something bad happens to somebody I do like, right? Or something just doesn't go my way. I'm really quick to tell God, you messed that up. But the reality is that my God is sovereign. He is in control of these things. And he has at work today. And he didn't tell me to manipulate all these things to work it out for his good. God said he's working all things together for our good, for the good of his kingdom. We end this chapter of Jonah on a cliffhanger, right? I, I think it's interesting. There was a question yesterday. I was talking with a friend. Why did Jonah end on a cliffhanger? Because Jonah clearly had to write this book. Did Jonah end up changing his heart about these things? I don't know. When we get to heaven, we could ask him, I suppose. But I think God allowed the Holy Spirit. Jonah ended this here, not where Jonah had resolved it one way or another, but at this point where God says, hey, listen, you're worried about the wrong things. Right? You're trying to take the world on yourself. You're trying to tell me how to do things and, and, and bring your twisted sense of goodness into this world. And because of that, you're missing out on the greatest joy. Like Jonah saw the most wicked city in the world turn back to God. He saw his enemies reconciled to, to the creator, right? To, to become humbled by the God that they fought against. He saw an amazing miracle. And he missed out on the joy because he forgot that God is the creator and he's sovereign and God is good. And I think it ends on that cliffhanger because this is where we live most of our life. On the cliff of trust. On the cliff of disobedience. You know, God doesn't want just obedience. Uh, Jonah was obedient. He got out of the fish, he preached, and God did something, and he missed out on the joy. This last year, I decided I was going to take a step back from that cliff. That's, I think, the purpose of Jonah is it puts us there. Where are you at? See, me, I was too close, and I needed to make a change. That's why I said, I'm going to change what's coming into my, my input. So I'm getting away from the news right now. So I'm getting away from social media. So I'm, I'm stepping away from those things. And instead, I'm replacing those things with the word of God. And it gives me a lot more time to pray and to pray for you and to pray for our, our culture. You know what God is doing? He's restoring joy in my life. Instead of underlying rage, I get to see his hand in ways I've never seen it before. I have more hope now than I did before 2020. It's amazing what God is doing. You see, Jonah is an invitation away from the edge. Jonah is an invitation back into the will, into the heart of God, so that we can see his goodness and celebrate his goodness, the good things that he is bringing about right now. And so I invite you to come with me, to step away from that ledge with me, to live the, not just the obedient life of Christ, but the joyful life in Christ as we see God do his good works even in times like these. How can you take that step? Some things I'm going to encourage you to do. If you have your connection card on the back side, of course, like every week I give you some next steps. And these are going to be just simple steps, small things, things that, that some of them I've really applied these last few months, and I can testify that as we, as we walk closer to God in his heart, it changes us. And the first thing I'm going to ask you, I want to encourage you, memorize Proverbs 3, 5. If you haven't done it yet, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It begins there. I, this was an introspective kind of memory verse for me. Because there's a lot of ways that I wasn't trusting God. I thought if, if there was a political way, things, a solution to it, or financial solution to something, or whatever, then this is what I was going to go. And, I, and, and when those things, not everything happens the way that I wanted it. And when that didn't happen, I was like freaking out. And then I realized, trust in the Lord with all my heart. He's still on the throne. He's still good. He's still sovereign. He's still my creator. So we trust in the Lord in our, all of our hearts. Don't lean on our own understanding. And the reality is we all have a very small perception of the whole picture, right? But God sees everything. So in all of our ways, submit to him. And that means I was looking at my life, and I encourage you to do the same thing. How are you trying to live your life, according to like Jonah or whatever, trying to get what you want, do things your own way? We want to submit to God, and that means we follow Jesus. And you know what God does? He makes our path straight, makes our life make more sense. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's amazing. So memorize Proverbs 3, 5. Read Jonah 4, most powerful chapter in Jonah. It's the strangest one by far, but it's really short. Take some time. In fact, why don't you read all of Jonah? It will take you all of like 20 minutes, if that, if you're a slow reader. Third thing you can try to do is check my attitude. Right? That's one of the things that I found through this as I was reading Jonah. As I found that sometimes my obedience was there, I was doing all the right things for all the wrong motivations. And my attitude was there, fine, God, I'll do it. You do this great work of salvation in the world, I follow you, right? My attitude wasn't good, so I wasn't enjoying the happiness of God, the joy that he had for me. And until I brought my attitude to him, I couldn't really do business with him right. So what you need to do is, in that quiet of your heart, and take some time this week to check your attitude. Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it disgust? What's there? Is there something standing between you and God? Then admit it. And bring it to him, just like I did. I said, God, I don't like this. I don't, well, actually, that wasn't true. I like this, and I shouldn't. This is where I started. And then I went to, now I don't like this, now change it. And God changes it. So check your attitude. The last one is a little different. The last one is we want to share goodness to this world, right? Jonah is a story of redemption, and that's the story that was continued on in Jesus, right? Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and on Sunday, we're going to celebrate the best news ever and we're going to be launching a new series with that i love my church by talking about how god how jesus loves his church and he wants people to be part of that and, and one way that you can do that is by inviting somebody we've asked you to pray for your five people and we've created a invite card for you which is right here it's a i love my church and this is what you can do if you know somebody who needs a church family you can use it say hey rumley going to, to easter on sunday we'd love for you to join me and you can give them this and they can look on there now this is the last year, hopefully, we have to do reservations for a, a big service like that. But it, don't worry, if it fills up, we're going to add more services. But right now, it's 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. At 9.30 and 11, we're going to have our praise place back, which is going to be wonderful, having our young family and our children here. I can hardly wait for that. But invite somebody. Invite them to join you. Because, you know, this is a congregation. This, we're a family, and God is doing some awesome things right here, right now. All right, hopefully I've given you all something that you can do this week. Uh, hopefully that as you do those things, that the joy of the Lord will fill you 
as you see his hand in your life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out, and as they do, fill out your, make sure you finish out your connection card at the end of the service. Please drop those off at that box in the back, along with your tithes and gifts, and if you're joining us online, please let us know that we can pray for you by uh, filling out that on our online connection card. All right, let me pray a blessing over you, and then I'll let the worship team uh, give us a great song of commitment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for this congregation, Lord, that you would give us a heart unlike Jonah at the end, Lord, a heart of self-awareness and say, we want to, we want to want what you want, Lord, and uh, not just to do what you've asked us to do. We want to trust in your goodness as we obey you as, as our sovereign, as we respect you as the creator of this world, knowing that you have good designs in these things, Father. Help us to, to trust you with all of our hearts, that we would stop trying to, to, to figure out this world and make sense of it on ourselves. But instead, Lord, help us to really submit to you in all of our ways so that we can see your kingdom come, that you would receive glory, and of course, you'd make our lives make a whole lot more sense. So Father, the commitments we've made this week, the ties, the offerings, the ways that we worship you, Father, I pray all those things would connect us with you so we could get to know you better and celebrate you fully. Lord, we pray all of this in such a way that we pray that it's going to result in your glory because you deserve it. And I ask that in Jesus' wonderful name.